Welcome to the Drunk Guys Book Club, where books aren't just for school, where book clubs aren't just for women, and beer blew our dicks off. I'm Mike. I'm Nate. I'm Jimmy. And we're the Drunk Guys, and this week we are reading The Sun Also Rises by Ernest Hemingway, and Jimmy is starting with a beer. Okay, so um, this is going to hurt me. Uh, I, I have a bunch of stuff left in my fridge from, like, other shit going on. You just drink a whole it's bunch of cervezas, huh? like Modellos, and I got I had, you know a bunch of a bunch of drinks there, and the characters in this book uh, just are constantly drinking all the time, drinking random shit, whatever they can find. They're just drinking, so I'm going to be drinking everything in my fridge. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I have right here in front of me. I have six tiny Heinekens. <laughs> <laughs> I have two White Claws, and I have a shot of soju. Jesus Christ. If I run out, I have eight more tiny Heinekens and one more White Claw. I don't know if I will. That's a lot of liquid. Oh, my God. I'm going to pee a lot during this episode, too. (laughs) This is my first tiny Heineken. If you save the bottles, you could pee right in them. You don't have to leave the table. So I'm told. (laughs) Oh, my God. He's chugging it. He's chugging the whole baby Heineken. (laughs) Tastes like Heineken. All right. (laughs) That's one down. Five to go. Jesus Christ. Okay. And the two white claws. <laughs> the soju, I thought, was the dumbest part, but I was like, yeah, it w- it's in there. Why not? I'd feel bad missing it. And you'd also feel bad drinking just Heinekens and fucking... Uh, They're so tiny. Like, what is it? What, one of these has got to be, what, like half a regular beer? Is that a, is that a seven? Uh, those are the nips? Seven ounce one? It's not, it's not a fucking nip. Spe- it's speaking a, of... It's, it's a, it's they like, call those that size bottle is what they used to call them. Back on a back on a decent better day when you could be racist openly apparently. (laughs) Okay, so the sun also rises. Good already is uh, Hemingway's. I don't know if it's second or third novel. It's one of his early ones. I think it's first. His first novel. It's the big one. It's the one that made him big. Uh, It's his first. Okay. Oh, I think he had just maybe he had just written some short stories before or something like that. Because on the cover of it, it's like author of these other things. And I don't know his biography well enough, or and fucking or fucking care. Well, I just read his Wikipedia page about half an hour ago. So, all right, I'm, if I remember correctly, our crack team of researchers have said that this is it's his first book. All right. Well, I've read two or three small articles about the book, so yeah. I know a little bit more than I did forty-five minutes ago. As well. I read the book. And uh, hated every minute of it, so we're ready. Apparently, I've also read this book before, and I do not remember doing that whatsoever. Yeah, it's it's because it, if you're in a if you're in able to, it's a fast read because it sucks balls. You don't want to spend time with it. So it's uh, Hemingway's of first novel, which was originally published under the working title "Ernest Goes to Spain," but that was not. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, know what I mean, Vern? <laughs> and they're like, what? A, what? <laughs> so, uh, direct quote from the book. That's yeah. what, yeah, so I believe uh, Robert Cohn says that at one point. So it is uh, it's sort of semi-autobiographical. Like it's based on people he knows. Though certainly not him. His dick never got shot off. He is a man. Though his dick almost did get shot off. So this is like a fantasy novel. A fantasy biography. Yeah. It says he has like 227 pieces of shrapnel in his leg. And his dick got like grazed. Well, that's rough. Not as rough as the main character has it, though. No. So the plot is pretty basic, and then like what if you could call it what that. what it mean? Yeah. Well, so it starts off first off starts with this chapter about Robert Cohn the and his book that he published, and that everyone liked his book or something, and then he he's going to make another. And book. He was a and he's a Jew. 
Yeah, that comes up once or twice a page. <laughs> yeah, there was nice. Uh, there, it, I, I will say this about the book: it eased into the racism. Like the first one or two times, you're like, "Oh, this book is from 1926." It's kind of like if you asked your older grandma what she thought of Obama, like what she would say. Like she'd start off like, "Well, I really like him. He's an interesting. He's, he's very articulate." And <laughs> and you're like, "Okay, all right." Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you uh, get a I few minutes Joe in. Biden's words were clean cut and articulate. Well, and well spoken. Granny, Granny would <laughs> oh. start there, but it would quickly go down to. He's basically white, and then you just get into the real... That's how the book starts. They're like a couple like, ooh, that's a little... Half rounds up. That's a little da- dated. That can't, that, that's not how we say that anymore. And then later on, there's just passages where they're just like dropping N-bombs for no reason. And they're like, Cone, stop being a Jew. <laughs> Old sport, <laughs> you're being a real Jew about this. <laughs> He's like, uh, I, that's what? Uh, I offered to pay. Uh, so it takes place in... Uh, first Paris, the first big chunk of the book is there, where the main character, Jake Barnes, attorney at law or whatever, is a uh, man who somehow... Newspaper man. Yeah, he has, he, but he does no work. They, none of, nobody works. None of them do work. A little later, you turn out several of them are just in debt, don't have any money, and they're just taking advantage of the fact that this is like Europe after World War One, so the exchange rate is really favorable to Americans. So they could go over there and live like kings. Like, they're... It, it, is that and what they it was? do. I don't they know exactly. Really live, they do really live like kings over there. They seem because they really do no work, and all well, they, they also, do is drink and drink all day and party all night. Oh, that's where my beer comes in. <laughs> this is called Nightlife by Greenpoint. We may have had this before, uh, long ago on a different episode. I'm really not sure, but because they're always drinking, always sitting at restaurants and cafes and bars, just. That's literally the whole book, except for fishing and some bullfighting. Then uh, thought some it fit. Bullshit. Anyway, this is Nightlife, Double Dry Hopped, India Pale Ill, 7.2%. Is it better than Heineken? <laughs> it is better than Heineken. Yes. Halfway through my second one, I'm already regretting this idea. <laughs> it's, the, it's the dumbest thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, they, they just hang around and they just drink... Um, like I, I don't, Everything. I don't know exactly what the what the exchange rate was like, but they're buying shit. And they're like, let me buy that gallon of wine, and they're like, it's twenty cents, and they're like, all right, I guess I could pay that. Like, well, also they mentioned like a bunch of them are nobles of sorts. Or yeah, they're, they're, they're they're titled people. Well, this is they're all part of the lost generation. So okay, here's what. Here's what probably happened. So World War I happens, and England and France spend an enormous amount of money on it. And they kept all the receipts. So at the end of the war, at the Treaty of Versailles, they demand that Germany pays them all back. However, England and France, what they had actually done is borrowed the money to fight the wars, because that's how you fight a war. You borrow from, a ton of money American for it. bankers, right? And the only people in the only place in the world where you could get the kind of billions you need to fight a war the size of World War One were New York banks. So really, you had this problem where uh, England and France were paying America back for all of their loans. And so because of that, they needed a lot of American dollars in order to like pay back the loans. So... They're always trying to get American dollars, which created demand for American dollars, which meant that the price of American dollars uh, 
price of an American dollar versus a, you know, French franc or British pound, you know, kept getting better. At the same time, Germany borrowed the money to pay back England and France from New York banks. So essentially they were collecting the entire way around. And uh, money bukkake. More a financial circle jerk. (laughs) But it's really you just jerking off and giving yourself a reach around because you have one very flexible arm. It's a... It's a money Ouroboros of blowing itself. It's if your penis is so long that you could fuck your own ass with it, I think. I mean, who... Have, and it came out your mouth. Who hasn't tried that? Yeah, the auto, uh, auto impalement. <laughs> so... Vlad, Vlad the self-impalement. <laughs> More like glad. <laughs> so... <laughs> I don't need anyone. <laughs> this is self-love. So then... Uh, that's and then and then just you know who to thunk it like eighteen months later Germany would experience incredible hyperinflation and the the Deutsche the Reichsmark or whatever the fuck they had at the time would be worth literally less than paper, <laughs> like you, it would be worth less than you, it was worth it more to burn it than to spend it. So they're in cafe uh, cafes in Paris just hanging out and you get introduced to a lot of characters who all sound the fucking same when they speak. Because it's Hemingway writing. Sound like Ernest Hemingway? Yeah, so like there is no, like this passages are like, I went down to the cafe and sat in a chair, period. The chair was made of wood, period. I had a six gallon goblet of wine, period. Then I decided (laughs) to do work. Like everything is a four, it's like a first grader sentence length. You know, everything. I I read something about this, and to us it seems dumb, and it is. But it's like at the time, this was a revolutionary change in prose because everything was flowery bullshit, like every Jane Austen book and all that stuff. And then Hemingway was like a newspaper guy, so he came from like shortened to the facts. And it's like, okay, it's like, wow, this style of writing is so different. And you know, a hundred years later, it's like, okay, wow. At the time, sure, cool. It does not make the lack of story. Much better. There was one but. very long sentence near the end, and I really, it really stuck out. Like, oh my god, this <laughs> sentence goes on and on forever. There are like three commas. Anyway, so it is noticeable <laughs> when he changes. And it was probably done for a purpose, you know. I just didn't care to figure out what the purpose was. <laughs> <laughs> he, it, there, it is true because this is like, like Thomas Hardy is still alive when this book comes out. You know, like the Dickensian type writers. So that was what was considered literature. And this is so terse that, uh, you know, it feels very, very different. But important, as we've learned before, doesn't make it good. I also uh, include my favorite uh, literary burn. Do you know what Faulkner had to say about Hemingway? Because they both hated each other, apparently. But Faulkner said Heming- something to the effect of, like, Hemingway is the kind of, is the man, as a type of writer who has never sent a reader to the dictionary. <laughs> It's like, ooh, nerd burn. It reminds me of the project I did in seventh grade for uh, interesting writers, and I got Ambrose Bierce. The Devil's Dictionary, yeah. I don't know who he was. And he, uh, he was a book reviewer also, and his book review of one guy's thing was, the covers of this book are too far apart. <laughs> <laughs> that dude just vanished in Mexico. He just disappeared. Well, he died with Pancho Villa. But he just disappeared. He's like an older... White guy, and they're like, listen, you, you can well, tag yeah, I mean, along he for now. But like, it's pretty sure that he just died in the desert with Pancho Villa. Oh, yeah. Well, anyway, we meet a bunch of characters. So Jake is the main character, and Jake has a problem. Jake has no penis. He has had now, his penis. We we don't know that he has no penis. It's it's true that his dick doesn't work 
we have all chosen to believe that he has no penis because it's funny. Maybe he has half a penis. It's like, what's? I'm not sure what's worse, honestly. The front half or the back half? <laughs> he just carries it around <laughs> like on a, a wallet <laughs> chain. <laughs> if I didn't have my Prince Albert chain to my wallet, I would have lost the whole thing. No, it's he's, his dick doesn't work for a war wound, which they you know sadly don't go into the description of. To hear, I said he was a it was a, a, a he was a pilot, so that would imply they're shooting upwards from his plane. and He got hit in the dick, or a, or it's Emmett Hemingway who was the machoest man ever. His penis was so big that another biplane flew into it, <laughs> and uh, they thought it was the Hindenburg or something, but. He, what I'd like to believe is that he actually just suffered from trench dick because it's World War I. Because <laughs> he was dragging it so behind much. him like a stegosaurus tail in the trenches and it got rotted <laughs> off. But anyway, they all live in. And yes, he was still a pilot in the scenario because it was so long it actually got He down used into it to the make trenches. trenches. <laughs> it was, it was <laughs> like a seed driller. It was the trench digger. It was like a plowing the land. <laughs> we really did read the book. Uh, so we meet, her, meet him. So anyway, and, I have one quote about yeah. that. Oh, about his dick? Yeah. So just the fact that it's not like well explained. It's I mean that he that his uh, dick doesn't work. Nothing is well but explained. But he does say at one time or another I had probably considered it from most of its various angles, including the one that certain injuries or imperfections are a subject of merriment while remaining quite serious for the person possessing them. So even he knew. This is pretty funny. Yeah. There are a lot of lines in this book that are actually kind of funny. Like things they say to each other. Like there's sarcastic catty bitches who are just drunk. So I'm sure this was a, might have been a funnier book when it came out to me. It's just on, he's just plowing through those shitty beers. This is a natural lime white claw. Oh no. So it might have been, I mean, it's pretty funny. It's not good. That might be like the 1926 edition of. Like a Seth a fart joke, a Seth Rogan joke, where they're like, "Ah, oh, your dick fell off." <laughs> like that's not really <laughs> much to it, uh, but still hysterical. So we meet him. We meet uh, Brett, which you think is a dude from the name, but it is a lady. And lady it's short for Brit Brittany. Uh, yes, Brittany Spears, <laughs> <laughs> Lady Brett something or other, who is Lady Ashley. Lady, yeah, okay, yeah. Which sounds like, like where you meet in a, in a you know a tie lady boy thing. I'm Lady Ashley. <laughs> oh, if you put lady in front of it, it makes it real. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't remember. I guess she's she's English, and she is she is English because she is married to a guy who is like a lord, and she is his wife. He's Lord Ashley. She's Lady Ashley. And uh, there, she's rich, but she's also in the process of getting divorced from him. And this will be like divorce number five or something like that. She's just plowing through marriages. And she fucks everybody in the world except for Jake because his penis doesn't work. And but they, she wants to. She wants to. She's like, she, well, it's like the, you know, app with what you can't have is what you want the most kind of scenario. And sadly, they hadn't invented pegging yet. No. <laughs> but she's apparently really hot. Does say how she's at a killer, um, killer many bot. Many times. She's like, isn't she so hot? Like over and over again, and there are other random lines. Like I don't know how because it's dated, and I'm not really sure how to interpret it. Was like, and she was sitting there. She did not, have, and that's like you know, one sentence at a time. She sat on a stool. Period. I walked by, and it smelled like tobacco. Period. She was not wearing stockings. Period. So I'm not sure if that's supposed to mean like, ooh, she's kind of, you know, dressing a little. I don't know. What well, right she's word got is, uh, right? she's got short hair like a dude. She's got a bob. So she's apparently, got, she's got a to look them. about her probably. So apparently his character is actually based on a real person because a, much worse a lot name. of this book was based on a couple of trips that Hemingway actually took to Pamploma 
and actually included like he he changed the names of the people he actually went there with. Uh, apparently, this is uh, Lady Twisden was this girl's was this woman's Duffy real name? Twisden. Who was a divorced uh, and uh, was divorced, but was also like fucked anything that moves and no, didn't care. Had short hair, stuff like that. Which for 1925 or whatever this is supposed to take place was quite shocking. Risque. Mm. Well, he's disappointed he can't bang her, and that's one thing. Then they meet some other, you meet Robert Cohn, the Jew, as they will remind you constantly, who is kind of sad, and he's like, um, he's like into, well, he was, he was banging Brett, and she broke it up because she just like hits it and quits it. I think she might have he invented like, that. He like bangs her like halfway through the book before they get to Spain, but he's like trying to the whole time. Yeah, he's thirsty that, as fuck. And also after that. He is a very thirsty man. He's this little simp bitch, as they would say. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's definitely a simp. Then there's a bunch of other characters. There's Mike, no relation, uh, Bill, <laughs> fucking, and like another, like all like generic names. And like, am I, am I supposed to? I could not tell them apart. I just know Mike was the nasty uh, drunk who was gonna, who was gonna marry Brett as soon as she got divorced from someone else. But he's, he's also the totally cool fake getting rich cucked. guy. And Bill is the writer from America who's just down to party. Well, they're all just down to party. They're all just hanging out. And just, yes. But he doesn't even want to bang Brett. He's like, oh, she's hot. You guys want to go drinking? Mike, you're talking about Mike? Uh, Bill. Bill, oh, yeah. Bill. He's... Because Mike is uh, nominally with Brett, even though she's banging everybody that walks he, by. He does say it's something like they have an understanding or they have an arrangement. He watches yeah, and jerks they it. they fuck around. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, they're, they're trailblazers. But some of the characters, so they go, they're in Paris, and it never really comes up if they could speak French or not, but it doesn't matter. But then they go later to Spain. Jake Jake does. Yeah, Jake, well, he speaks French as well. Yeah. Oh, well, I know he speaks Spanish. I mean, he lives he lives in Paris, like, full time. That's true. The French are not known to accommodate people who don't speak French, so. <laughs> um, but he, they, they, there's other characters who don't speak whatever languages they're talking about, and that creates um, the vaguest sense of interest sometimes in scenes. But you could tell if they were... Asked to you know speak in whatever language they're supposed to speak in, they would give wrong answers only. <laughs> this is from I think a new brewery for us. It's from Magnify Brewing, which is in New Jersey. We've had a few of those. We have. I, I've this, I actually went to the tap room a week or so ago. It is in Fairfield, New Jersey, which was a very cool place. And uh, this is a triple IPA called Wrong Answers Only. That is ten percent alcohol. And uh, I, I, won't, I won't lie; it's not my first. Yeah, it's delicious. Oh, goodness. This is just the right like this, answer. Just like this natural lime white claw. Just like it. Funny if way, that beer is wrong, you don't want to be right? That's a, absolutely right. Uh, I'm afraid if, if I were to put my penis into the beer, it might blow my dick off, and I can't, I don't want to end up like Jake. But when I went to the tap room, we were literally the first people near my wife and my kid and I. We had gone to some other thing in New Jersey, and we're like, there's beer nearby. And we went in. And the guy that's like, you want to start a tab? And he's like, yep. And he's like, do you, yes, I will drink everything, sir. And uh, he's like, do you have, uh, do you need a credit card? He's like, no, I just need your name. I was like, oh, okay, uh, Mike. He said, oh, okay, that's easy then. My name's Mike. And the other bartender was also named Mike. So at a certain point, there were five <laughs> people in this tap room, and three were Mike's. And the other two were women. It was 100% Mike's, which is like most rooms I like, find myself in. <laughs> it's also it was like elementary school for me. Where there'd be like eight mics in a class. Yep, that's I remember that. I thought you were gonna say there were a lot of Nates. I was surprised. 
Nope. Known like I've two met in my only a life. few other Nates. It's really just. I've met, I've met one other Jimmy. I've met many Jameses. Well, Nate did go to school with uh, Nate Dog, the rapper. That's the other one he knows. And Nate Daniel Hawthorne. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't know Nate Dog was dead. Oh man, he died a decade ago. Nate Dog is dead. Nate Dog died in 2011. Jesus! Wow. Another one of the greats gone before his time. Dude, he was 41. Does that make you feel old, Nate? <laughs> this man <laughs> struck down in the youth of life. <laughs> All right, so... The first trimester of his life. So, uh, we haven't really gotten too far in the book. That, so, these are just the characters, and they just so hang around. there's very little that happens. Like, the important part is when they go to, is when they go to Pamploma, when they go to the, the bullfights. But there's... And it's not a long book, but it seems like there's, there are there's two important things that happen in the first two-thirds of the book. One is where Brett says, like, oh, don't you love me? And then the second one is two thirds of the book in the way of the of the way through when uh, she fucks the bullfighter, and that's like you know oh that finally happened because I, I knew this is one of those important books that I've never read and won't understand, so I went and just read the plot synopsis before reading the book just to have an idea, and it was like the f- it, and it's like the second paragraph of the plot synopsis is like oh wait we're now two thirds of the way through the book. Like, what the fuck? There's, like, nothing happens in the beginning. I think it's just to give you a sense of what it what their experience was like, like, what they did. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's, like, a uh, like a tell-all book or whatever, but it's, like, this is what it was like being here. Because it does start off with a, an epith, epithet or whatever, epitaph, epitaph. of, of um, about the lost... Epitaph is on a graveyard thing, isn't it? Epigraph, that's what I'm thinking of. Epigraph, sorry. Epigraph, uh, yes, uh, you're right. Spirograph is the one that makes the circles. Now, cenotaph is for a graveyard. Now, cenotaph is actually, well, they're like retarded people. A cenotaph, no, we all know each other's words. A whale writes it. A cenotaph <laughs> is a monument to the dead, but it's not actually a grave. So, like, if you sometimes, sometimes you'll see those in, like, oh, the monument to the fallen soldiers of this town in World War I. Um, mm. And it's like, not, they're not buried there. It's just like a, a monument. So, there's an epigraph. About the lost generation, which is what these people were known as. And in fact, it's this book that actually popularized that term. He didn't make it up, though. He, did, he didn't make it up. He was quoting Gertrude Stein, and which is in the, which is the first sentence, which is the epi, epitaph. No, epigraph. Epigraph. And he calls it the seismograph. lost generation. It's a seismograph, because when your mom fell down, it, it crushed a whole generation. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I did hear a good, a good your mom joke today was your mom is so fat she puts on her belt with a boomerang. <laughs> and the other one was your mom is so fat when she slid into my DMs, my phone ran out of storage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they're like the people who uh the lost generation are the people who became adults during World War One. So they I'm not sure why they are called that. Or and or perhaps like fought in World War One. Yeah, well, they well, it's, became, um, yeah. you know, they, it's because they fought and oh, literally many of them were lost. They well, died. The Europeans, and yeah. the people that got out of it were basically like, well, "What the fuck do we do now? We've been through the worst thing that has ever happened to humanity so far, yeah. and now we're just supposed to go back to life." 
Yes, so far. <laughs> Until the oh, sequel. Oh, just wait. Until one little guy. Hold, hold my beer. Hold my stein. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, they, they also, you know, we would serve or grow up right after the people who served. And they're also reaped a lot of the benefits of the Industrial Revolution. Like, the widespread availability of shit like fucking lights in houses and trains. Basically, and the modernization of the world. Yeah. So I'm not really sure why they're called Lost. Uh, sounds like they found a lot. Because they even were basically... Basically because they got through World War One, and those that survived were still fucked up. Like, how do you get over something like that? Yeah. And then all of their kids went to go to World War II. <laughs> Listen, son, just get a paper route and you could buy a house. Uh, wait, that's the, that's the boomers. Uh, so the, that's part of the book, I think, is talking about what it was like for those people, I guess. I don't know. But nothing really happens. You do meet a guy with the dumbest name ever, Count Mipipipopopopopopolis, whatever the fuck that guy's name was. <laughs> oh, man, I had a thing about that guy. So his name was Count uh, Mikalopolopolis or whatever the fuck. Yeah, I, I'm but, reading it just because I, I was like, how many Papapapas is in that? It's Mipipopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopop
where you can get all sorts of cool stuff like early access to episodes, vote in our monthly book poll, which, by the way, selected this episode. Get uh, exclusive content every month. Join us for live episodes uh, quarterly. Get merch mailed to you. Get stickers and our eternal love. Uh, we will always read a book you suggest eventually. Do you think they voted for this one because they knew that he didn't have a dick and we forgot that part? I, I mean, I, I wonder why. I wonder if it's a lot of people voted for it and they're like, I actually was supposed to read this in high school. Let me find out what that was really about. I don't know. We, we, I think we just had three Hemingway books on it. I forget which it was. The it was three Hemingway Farewell books, Farewell yeah. to Arms, which is also about a guy who loses his arms, not his dick, I imagine. And <laughs> 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 uh, For Whom the Bell Tolls, which is for a guy who he's, he's, he loses everything. I don't know. Uh, so... Yeah, he loses his watch. <laughs> He never knows what time it is until the bell tolls. Like, ah, high noon. Okay. Uh, so if you want to support the podcast, you can head over there, and that would be super cool. But if you're not into that, that's also okay. You could help out the podcast just by uh, leaving us a review wherever you're listening, or um, you know, head over to some other place where you could listen to the review and leave a review. Just like spread them around. They, they, want, they don't know how many you left. Make an entirely fake iTunes account and leave an additional review. Just five stars, please. Don't, don't, if you listen this far, you, you already gave us one star. It doesn't matter what you write. It's true. Just do five stars. Yeah. And I, I you mean, can write, I did five stars just because they told me to. That's true. That's fine. No one reads those. Yeah. I've rated this under duress. <laughs> uh, or just tell people to check it out. Writing stars out in Morse code <laughs> torture. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that is a way to help us out. But again, most importantly, the book poll is selected by patrons every month. And uh, well, the, the we we give uh, the illusion of democracy, and then people pick from there, and they pick this. So we should thank them. And it's Nate's turn to thank the fine people. So I have a few and the other people. <laughs> yes, it's true. <laughs> Nate's gonna Some have thoughts. Oh boy. Okay. So I'm, I'm gonna put I'm frightened. I'm gonna put Here two go. two names in the chat. The first one is for Brent, and the other one is for Nathaniel. Oh man, sounds like a traitor. Okay, Another so name. I'd like to thank <laughs> traitor. Okay, I'd like to thank Avery, Hubert Oyster, JC, Do Good Letters, Catherine, Kevin, Jacob, Linda, DK Law. <laughs> did you know that when it snows, this is sounding very familiar. Did you know that when it snows, my eyes become large and the light that you sign that you shine can't be seen. Oh, I know Baby. what this is. Yeah, it's Seal. Kiss from a Rose by Seal. <laughs> Why? No idea. What a Why great song. I know the lyrics to Kiss from a Rose, Dude. Nate. I, I, you know, I when, I, when you start saying it out loud, it's like, did oh, you know? did you know that when it snows, my eyes, you know, it's like, oh, wait, I've... Okay, yeah. And it was big when I was in high school, and I was just on fucking all the time, that song, forever. Oh, it's going to be in my head for the rest of the week. As it should Me too. Be. Oh, my God, a jam. Thick Richard III, Frederick, Sean, Nora, Beatrice, Morris, Nin, Courtney, Jenna, William, Sophia, David, Derek, Carol, Sarah, Joseph, Jeff, Yolanda, Jennifer. I'm still upset about being forcibly removed from a Purina focus group <laughs> for my suggestions on how to give dogs more protein. <laughs> And I'd like to thank, I'm so happy New York banned the sale of dogs. It's, ex- it's expensive to keep leaving money on the nightstand. <laughs> <laughs> 
Wait, they did, did that? They banned the sale of dogs in New York? Yeah, at pet stores. Yeah, they're only, they're only, yeah, you have to go to a breeder or a dog. Oh, so I have to go to a puppy mill now and just like a person? Well, the problem is the puppy mills were selling them to pet stores. So now you can't buy them from a pet store. So you get them from a licensed breeder or you adopt them from a shop. Oh, all right. Anita Tillich, Julian. I am a Canaan Foker. Ein Foker? <laughs> I'm a Canaan Foker. Say it slower, Nate. It's a dog <laughs> thing, Nate. Canine. <laughs> oh, I am a, I'm a Canine Foker. Okay. <laughs> Woo. Okay. Um, and the next one. Oh, and I'd also like to thank Jimmy and I will be starring in a new podcast called the rapist and the bassist. Oh my god. One of us is an ugly monster that cannot get women to sleep with him consensually under any circumstances, <laughs> and the other is a rapist. Uh, oh, Jesus. Ouch. That's the harshest one yet, I think. The bass jokes are really weird, too. <laughs> Grace Catherine Colton, Rammer Wit, your new direction? Sure. Good advice. Yeah. Oh, I oh, get new it. direction. With your nude... Okay, get <laughs> ah, it. Okay, Stephen... Give me a minute, too. Zaphod Beeblebrox. Oh, that's a, letter, a literary one. That's uh, from uh, Hitchhiker's Guide, isn't it? It's from Titanic? Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> so is it Finnegan's Wake? Yeah. Taste the biscuit. Taste the goodness of the biscuit. Taste the biscuit. Taste the goodness <laughs> of the honey sauce. Joe... I hope they never change they, that nope. <laughs> Joe Crab, Daniel Hayden, Emotional Support Burrito, and CL. Thank you, fine people. Some they, of you. They are the best. Uh, the ones of you that are fine. <laughs> <laughs> Very fine people on both sides. Uh, <laughs> 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 so, uh, we're up to like a quarter of the episode is just names at this point. <laughs> That's why I'm going to drink some of this soju. I was trying to read them fast, but... All right. So they decide to go to I Spain. How do you say cheers in Korean? But there you go. <laughs> yeah. Jimmy's face. This is a bad mix of things. It's a cacophony of flavor. According to Google Translate, it's Gyanbei. Oh, Gyanbei. I thought that was Chinese. Dude, you are a racist. I think it's also in Chinese. You'll know if you're hungry again for more in a half an hour. That's what <laughs> you'll know for sure. So they're going to Spain, and they're like, let's go. And they, by the way, this is back Spain. when there were like no fucking highways. And they're traveling in a car that must have been doing like 27 miles an hour on a dirt road. Like It's fucking chitty chitty. I was thinking bang. like they're in a, a jalopy. How carsick everybody must have hand. gotten from being hammered drunk and just driving over those roads that are these donkey From drinking at breakfast. And heavily. like, And also after breakfast. <laughs> they're like hobbits, but with alcohol. Uh, and then at second breakfast. <laughs> so they, uh, they're, they're, they're traveling and they, they meet Basque people because, uh, you know, they live there. And... Uh, he does not like he explores anything about the Basque or explains anything about them. He's just like, they wore black shirts and they had wine skins. And then from that point on for the and rest of the book. practice sacking into each other's mouths with the wine skin. Yeah, they would just play with their wine skins all the time. and just It's a metaphor because his dick doesn't work and he can't spray into anyone's and mouth. And they are just spraying relentlessly into each other's mouths yeah. like a fire hose. Brushing their teeth with that shit. Oh my goodness. And uh, then they go fishing for a for a few days because they're men and there was no internet porn yet. And they also it was because the other people were supposed to join them, but they never show up. So it's just the two of them and they're catching trout. If you know what I mean, it's literally, the well, fact they go fishing and they're like the best fishermen ever. They're like, are there a lot of fish there? They're like, Oh, some, I don't know, maybe. And they go dig worms. I like to believe it's because like 
back in the day, overfishing wasn't a problem, and you could just literally pull fish out of the water. Probably could, but they just, they go there, they dig their own worms out, and then they go, like, walk away from each other for some reason. Jake and whoever it was, was it Bill? Well, he wants to fish in a different part of the river, you know, his preferred manliness things. And he goes and he takes his worm, uh, the, the one he still has, and he puts it on the hook and he... Th- <laughs> the one that yeah, does he work. throws it in and like instantly pulls up a trout. And he's like, whoa, that's a big mother. So this is... <laughs> <laughs> this beer is from Blue Point and is in their Imperial Series, Imperial Series 4, the new class. And it is called Big Mother Pumpkin. And it is a 9% alcohol <laughs> pumpkin ale with spices and natural flavor added. And that's a lot of spices. Dear Lord. Oh, my God. I feel like I just uh, did like a cinnamon challenge or something. That's a lot. You can't beat the price, though. Blue Point is so fucking cheap if you buy it in Long Island. I went to... It, it's worth going to... It's a pain in the ass to get out to Patchogue where they are. But if you go there, it is such a... like The cheapness of all the beer. You're like, this is okay beer. It's not my favorite beer ever. The cheapness of it is so low that you're like, I want to be here always. How much is it? Like, you buy a four-back of Tall Boys for like 12 bucks. They're normally like $20 to $24 at a brewery in Queens, like for that kind of size beer. One regular beer at the beer place I go to is somewhere between 7 and $15, oh, yeah. depending on it. Me and Nate go to those kind of places when we mm-hmm. meet after work to do research for this podcast. <laughs> so they're like, whoa, look at this big mother. And he pulls up a trout. He's like, let me go get a few more. And he pulls up six trout, and then he takes a nap. And then he wakes up and he finds the other guy who I think was Bill, but I don't fucking remember. And I don't. It was it was I Bill, yeah. Couldn't you could have made you could have said another name? But that was that was Jim. I don't know, really. And uh, then the guy's like, I also caught fish. And he's like, they compare their fish sizes. Literally, it is about the fish. Why? Don't know. But then they eat fish. Apparently, actually, they never really talk about eating the fish. They just get drunk then, and wait for um, Robert and Mike and Brett to show up. And uh, they don't. So they just head over to Pamplona to go get wasted there. I thought they, they like get a telegram. It's like, Brett passed out from being on a train or some shit. It was, it was from having a train run on her, I think is what it was. Oh, right. Yeah. Different kind of vacation. <laughs> it's in character. <laughs> yeah, so they did get the telegram. And they're like, we better go. I'm gonna, I want to spend another centime here, whatever the fuck the currency they were using was. Besetas. But they, there was centimes get mentioned. Well, it was a hundred centimes to a peseta. Yes, and they go to a place at one point where it's like wine is like thirty centimes a liter. Yeah, it's practically yeah. free. <laughs> a liter, it's like holy shit. And, and they <laughs> get the wine skin, the leather wine skin that holds two liters. Later, they get one that holds a gallon. <laughs> they just carry it around. It's like everyone's wearing a camelback. <laughs> My dad, wine. my dad has told stories yeah. of in the seventies people having wine skins. I'm like that's disgusting. You like you put your mouth to that. He's like, no, you just it like never be clean, right? I can't imagine they ever did. But there's probably so cheap and shitty. You just threw them out. Nobody, you know, because you were not. If you, it was box wine. If you were drinking from a quality. wine skin in 1973 outside of a Led Zeppelin concert, it was laced with. You cocaine. were not like drinking high quality booze. So then they end up in Pamplona and they just get. Wasted drunk constantly, and they bust out the pure anti-Semitism towards Robert, really just from Mike, but everyone, no one really shoots it down, right? They're all there, and they're like, hey, I'll have a drink. I'll have a drink, too. 
And Robert's like, I'll have a drink. And Mike's like, I bet you would, Jew. And like, that's just how they talk to him. And no one is like, what the fuck's wrong with you, man? They're just like... No, Mike is upset because Robert is creeping hard on his lady. He's like, hey, I told you you could bang her, and you did. Now you should have it out of your system. They did say earlier, is like, when Mike is explaining their arrangement to Jake, he says, no, it wasn't Jake. Brett's gone off with men, but they were never Jews, <laughs> and they didn't come and hang around afterwards. <laughs> no, they came and left. <laughs> <laughs> they keep just bickering for a while, and then they just start doing stuff in Spain, like drinking even more wine. And um, I will say they nailed the Spanish lifestyle. They do, yeah. They like take naps and drink wine, and they're like, let's go. 46 hour lunches. I think the whole and the whole last two books of the of the book is just one lunch break. They start it <laughs> September third, and lunch doesn't end until March nineteenth. Uh, and they are well. They're at the, the time called they just call it fiesta, which I'm sure it's not actually called that there, but it's a week long party where everyone just parties in the streets. And I will tell you, I have lived through that there. It was in March, they have a festival where I was, and it take, it's three weeks, but they like block off streets so people can just grill and drink in the street and build stuff to burn in a few weeks. And they're like, yeah, well, it's three weeks. Why, is that weird? And no one works during that time? Some people do. Someone has to serve the alcohol. Someone has to work the cash register. When I was there, it was... Uh, <laughs> when, I, when I was there, it was during what they called the crisis, which meant everyone was unemployed, uh, not purposely, like they usually are. And so people couldn't afford to go to bars a lot. So people would just buy a bottle of liquor and drink in the park all night. That's what everybody did. Fantastic. And also, you drink... Uh, they had little tiny, tiny cups of beer, like this big, for one euro. And you just drink tiny little one euro beers. Because it gets hot in Spain, so if you get a big beer... It's hot by the time you're finished with it. So they just do a million tiny beers. And it comes with free snacks. <laughs> honestly, it's, it's, honestly, it's fucking awesome. Thank goodness got Germany was paying for all of that <laughs> in the <laughs> European Union. Hey, they're still paying back thank, for the two thank world Angela wars Thank Angela Merkel for those, for those beers. <laughs> I believe, according to Wikipedia, the running of the bulls in Pamplona is in July. So it'll be hot as all fuck. And, yeah. and there's no air conditioning. And they're just like sweating... They just have the wine sweats. They mentioned one of the waiters had purple stains in his armpits on his shirt. Like he was just sweating wine. <laughs> they are also doing that. They just don't even realize it because they're, they're never sober. And it's, no. it's impressive. They're either hungover in the morning and then they start drinking again or they're asleep. The only time they're not drinking. So then um, this, they keep squabbling. And eventually they go watch the bullfighting because they're like, hey, you know, it'd be cool watching an animal get tortured to death. And uh, it's, a, it's a beautiful over culture. Over and over yeah, again. Like several a day. My, da- my dad yeah. went to see a bullfight in his 70s on his first wedding uh, honeymoon. And I was like, what's that? He had like some pictures of it, you know, taking like a shitty Polaroid. Or I was like, what was it like? And he's like, it's actually really sad. It's like really kind of gross. They just, like you think it's so romantic and brave like the matador who like is graceful and and bold or whatever but that animal is basically dead like they have exhausted it by letting it charge after steers and beat the shit out of them then they let the um whatchamacallit the picadors yeah they come around on, on fucking horses and they just like lance the thing 
and stick. So while it's charging the matador, it is spraying blood out of its own spine because it's been stabbed many yeah, times it, already. And it's, it's exhausted. It's overheated. It's freaked out. It's bleeding to death. And then some fucking prick waves a flag a stupid hat. at it with his little little Peloton pants on. And he's just like, come here. And then dodges out of the way and, uh, and kills it. And it's all like, did you kill it swiftly? Did you kill it? It was going to die any second. It is a ridiculous activity. But they're just watching this all day. It's like faces of death. They're just watching bull snuff. <laughs> <laughs> and then... You can buy it off a guy in a parking lot off a DVD. Yeah, bull snuff. <laughs> and then, of course, Brett sees one of the matadors. He's like, I'm going to fuck that guy. And like, that's a kid. He's like 19. He's like, I'm going to fuck that kid. Whatever you want to call him. The fuck, El Kid? Uh, what, what are you going to say? El Nino. <laughs> <laughs> I will make him a mon- mono. <laughs> uh, there, oh, there is one quote. Now, there, there's a handful of Spanish words, and they usually translate them, or they're so obvious, you know what they mean. But I did like that there's this one part where they're talking about all the booths set up, and one is advertising Anus del Toro. <laughs> A-N-I-S <laughs> del Toro. Anus del Toro. She's obvious. Anise. Anise. Well, that's where you, the anus del Toro is where you get bullshit from. Uh huh. Mm. <laughs> Delicious. But yeah, they keep. They mentioned multiple times like bull an, anise. <laughs> so either that or it's licorice made out of a bull. Like, I don't know what, bull, <laughs> what that's supposed to be. You don't want to ever eat that. But they. That was. That was a fun. Fun thing. There were also a couple of lines where reading it with our immature eyes, it's like. Jake talking to Brett about Robert, I think. He's like, so you want him to come? He's like, well, you want to give him a chance to pull out. It's like, uh, not for you, my friend. We're all very tight. Not for you. Yeah, they're very so, tight. Okay, I, I, have wasn't a, sure I have a quote about... What, what does tight mean? I have a quote I need to read about the bulls. Yeah. So, yes. you know, Ernest Hemingway, supposed to, this is supposed to be great writing. However, uh, uh, so the at this finest part, American writer to ever live. Apparently, so, <laughs> uh, so uh, at this point, uh, Jake has like gone to see the first first set of bullfights, or the first day, or whatever it is. And then he came back, and he's going to the hotel, and he speaks to Montoya. So here's literally what it says on the page. Well, how did you like the bulls? He asked. Good. They were nice bulls. They're all right. Montoya shook his head. But they're not too good. What did you? What didn't you like about them? I don't know. They just didn't give me the feeling that they were so good. I know what you mean. They're all right. I don't know what you mean. I wonder. You if- started out saying they were good, and then said I just didn't think you were. They were good, and then you replied, "I know what you mean." It just what? reminds me of that web comic where a guy's sitting on the couch watching Great British Bake Off or something. He's like, "Wow, what a great cake!" And the judge says, this is a terrible cake. And the guy says, mm, terrible cake. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's, I, mean, who, I don't know which language they were speaking in that scene. It's either the guy speaking his mediocre Spanish or the guy speaking his mediocre English. So maybe it says like they're both at like, you know, Rosetta Stone level two of whatever language they're every, speaking. Every time, every time that people bring up Hemingway and his like lack of anything, they're like, oh, well, see, Hemingway is all about... Uh, the, the the tension and the story are really like underneath underneath the surface. Like you got to read a lot of subtext to get what the story's about. 
That's and called the iceberg theory. The iceberg theory, yes. That's cool. Yeah, that's why cool. Hemingway sank the Titanic. Um, <laughs> and I think, yeah, sure, that's definitely part of it. But also sometimes it's like, eh, not, not, not all the time. Yeah. I don't know. I, I can't just explain away everything with, uh He's just a master of subtext. Sometimes a boat needs to hit that iceberg to make things exciting. <laughs> Otherwise, it's just a fucking block of ice, which is cold and unfeeling, floating in the North Sea or the North Atlantic, which is cold like and dark. Like dick. His, yeah, it was blown off in, in the Battle of the Somme, and it flew 111 <laughs> miles into the North Sea. <laughs> I don't know why anyone defends Hemingway. It, this is, this is tart. I don't think the writing's very good. There's, there was no one sentence, and not every book has this, of course, but there was no sentence or passage where I was like, oh, that's really well written, or that's really interesting how he wrote that. It's all just the way I would write in like Spanish class. Like I can only think one sentence at a time, and I have to struggle to find the right adjective because I don't fucking know many. <laughs> where is the library? Question mark. <laughs> Which library? <laughs> The library with the books. Library. <laughs> you know. Oh, yes, I know. How is the weather? What? Uh, <laughs> what am I bringing on a picnic? <laughs> well, I'll tell you. Yeah, so then... Uh, Pass me the noodles. <laughs> like, you know. <laughs> I would like one cerveza, please. In fact, I would like one cerveza. So they go to the fight. They don't like the bulls. They don't like them for a while. But... uh there's the other character who I forget his name now, the fucking um, matador that Brett wants to fuck. Romero. Romero. And uh, Alpha Romero. Yeah, I, I feel like uh, I pictured Zorro the whole time because he's just like wearing, I think he's only wearing matador clothes. So he's uh, quite a stereotype. And uh, he, they get into a fight with Robert Cohn, who turns out despite them constantly calling him Jew boy and shit like that the whole time, that he is like a bare-knuckle boxing champion, and he beats the, the fuck out of everybody. He's the middleweight boxing champion of Princeton. Which, I mean, maybe Princeton was they different They say then. at the beginning, it's like, which is not really that impressive, but it's still better than a guy who's never fought anybody. Well, it won't Boxing was a really big sport in the 20s. So this was, this was when boxing was really, really popular, so that was a big deal. And what was that on The Simpsons? And if the match doesn't go 100 rounds, you get your nickel back. So <laughs> Mr. Burns said at one point. It's, so he gets into a fight where Mike, for the like 8,000th time, is mean to him. Is like, stop sniffing around my wife's whore box. You had your chance. Leave it now. And then he calls Jake a pimp. And I don't really understand why. He's like, you're a pimp. And then they, and they're like, not that macho in the fight. I mean, maybe because of obscenity expectations of the time but they're like you take that back sport it's like <laughs> i will not you scoundrel and then he punt they beat the fuck out of each other well really robert no, beats the fuck it, he, robert he knocks out jake he, he knocks two of them out in like four seconds and he beats up mike but they're also hammer drunk yes like, so they could and they could barely and robert stand doesn't drink so he yeah so he's there just steaming for the whole book and uh has blue balls and shit and then he Bust bunches of those guys out. And then he comes up and apologizes. Like, hey, I'm so sorry. Let's shake on it. Hey, we'll be fine. All right, there, buddy pal. And he's constantly crying in these scenes also. Well, he's fucked up. He's like, like woman weeping and weep, uh, hoping like, oh, I'm so sorry. You're my friends, you know. I'm sorry that you keep calling me uh, racial slurs and then I beat the fuck out of you 
effortlessly. Uh, let's just be friends because I don't honestly because he has no fucking friends. And yeah, he hangs around them. You know, he's a published like that was another thing. And he went to New York after publishing his book. Women were interested in him all of a sudden for the first time in his life, basically. Also, he was married and he had three kids and he was going to divorce his wife, but he's like, oh, maybe not. And then she left him. So he's like, I guess I'm just out trying to on the on the on patrol for the lady bits again. Well, this is a bit of maybe that that subtext kind of stuff. Like, it's never explicit in the book. Like, you have to go back and think through it. Like, that guy's life is fucked up. He fucking he had wife and children who left him. It, obviously, his relationship with the wife wasn't very good to begin with. If he was thinking of leaving her, and then and everyone for his whole life has shit on him for being Jewish. And then he finds this super but also, hot babe. You know. He's kind of a dickhead. Oh, they're all no one's no one is uh like respectable. Yeah, I mean they shit on him for like the one thing that's like not really like he's Jewish, like that okay, but they don't shit on him for being a whiny little dickhead who's constantly going for this his friend's girlfriend. He's my best friend's girl, but she used to be mine. So saith the bard guy from the cars. What was his name? Rick Ocasek. <laughs> they, well they do mention that uh Jake who I assume is supposed to be Ernest Hemingway, sort of, is a is. nominal Catholic, but that doesn't seem to matter at all, even though I know sentiment towards the Catholics wasn't super strong. But uh, that gets mentioned often in the book. You're like, why? Yeah, when, they, uh, when, they talk, when they're in Spain, they're talking about the Catholics, and one of them yells like, all these fucking Catholics, you know? It's like, it makes, me wanna, it makes a man want to join the clan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he said that, yeah. <laughs> like good, good idea, old sport. Something we really don't focus on in our history lessons is uh, though. Nineteen twenty-five was when the Klan had like the highest, you know, uh, enrollment. You see, the thing is, I've, I've I've learned a lot about the history of the Klan for various reasons. Why? And there Jimmy? were three <laughs> three versions of the Klan. There was the first Klan that was pretending to be ghosts and they hated black people and Catholics and everybody, and they kind of died out. And then around this time. Someone started the clan up again, and they got us huge numbers, huge numbers of people, like millions of people. But it was this time, all it was was a Ponzi scheme. They were just collecting dues from people. They didn't believe in anything. They're just like, let's get money, let's do this whole thing. And everybody figured <laughs> Pay it out. Pay your laundering and fees again. for your robes. <laughs> they had like camps for kids, and like summer camps called like clamps, <laughs> like summer clamp. I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, fu- I'm not fucking it like, into it all. It's like glamping, but racist. Yes. It was summer camps. Like, you send your kids to the summer, the clan clamps, and you, you, send, you pay the money, and you go to these, you know, big gatherings, and it was just a grift. The whole second clan was a grift. You know, up until... And it died you- out again. And then they brought it back for another, you know, you know Nazi shit. Yeah. But the, this, the this clan... That's why the numbers were so big, was because everybody was in it, and it was like a... It was like a it's like a social club. They didn't really do a lot of like crime stuff. Some did. Some did. A hundred percent. But funnily enough, it was it was just like being in the Rotary Club. You know, until you told me that, I thought they were. They didn't seem like bad fellers. But the grift on top of it, jeez, <laughs> there are some bridges too far. I guess if you're going to grift racists, you know, I'm not going to feel too bad. Yeah, but it would be like a pyramid scheme. But they hate those dirty, you know, pyramid-making people, so they have to find like. But a, they love a, the shape of that pyramid. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, anyway, I want to get to this beer. So then, Jay, uh, what's his name? Fucking Robert. He goes and he beats up Romero because he goes to find Romero and Brett. So wait, hold on. We we uh, forgot to explain how. Oh, you're fine. We forgot to explain how Brett 
so they go to see the bullfight, and and Romero, he's the nineteen year old. He's so good, and he's so hot, and Brad is like wants him. And so later that night, Romero shows up at the same restaurant that they're at, and Brett like basically like takes him away. Like, oh, let's go, let's get out of here. She cougars him. Yep, definitely. And then, even though she's younger, the than next us. day, or the just like an hour later, or what, it, or, or life expectancy or something was like that. Jimmy. Uh, Cohen is like, what, where is she? No, Mike is like, where is she? Where, it, where is she? And then he goes to his room and beats him up. So he goes, I thought, I thought, wasn't it Cohen that beats him Cohen, up? Yeah, be, yeah. Be, Cohen beats Cohen him up. Beats yes. him. Okay. Yeah. Cause Mike is like, Mike's the, hu- Mike's the fiance who's like, just kind of doesn't care. That's because she's just a meal ticket to him. Cause he turned, you find out that he's broke. And it has a yes. line that I have heard many versions of this line later in different contexts. But it's like, how did you go broke? Ain't or, broke, don't fix it. No, it's not that one. Uh, <laughs> uh, how did you become bankrupt? He says, two ways, oh, yeah. gradually and then all at once. <laughs> and then they're like, he's like gradually and then suddenly. Yeah, it's gradually and suddenly, that's what it is. But I've heard a lot of different versions of that. Like I'm remembering that was a line. I guess that's from stars. this. Maybe it's from this. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I mean, it's a it's a clever kind of line. I suppose maybe the one of the few in the book where it's like, ah, oh, that's good. I could hear Groucho Marx go, yeah, after it. Yeah, but how I got in my pajamas, I'll never know. Uh, but then um, <laughs> the then they go on and they say stuff that is kind of like Groucho Marxy jokes, actually. Where like this was the twenties. I pay everyone back. Well, that's why you're bankrupt. <laughs> uh, what? <laughs> okay. And outside of a dog, it's too. Too dark to read, or the fuck that is. So um, anyway, they go and he and Cone beats the fuck out of Romero, but Romero will not go down. He has too he has too fiery a Latin temper, and he keeps getting up. And then Cone is alternating punching the fuck out of this guy in the face, and then crying and offering to shake his hand. Said, "Let's be friends." Uh, but eventually, quit hitting yourself. Yeah, eventually, like Brad is like pulling the fucking young kid away. Like, don't beat him up; he's dead already. You know, and then. You find out that afterwards, I guess the next thing basically is Romero goes and he kills the fuck out of some bulls, but they're good bulls. And you'd probably think when they saw those big bulls, they're like, man, that's a big mother. <laughs> and you might think I had this beer, but no, this is coffee big mother pumpkin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, from Blue Point, which is brewed in collaboration with the King's Coast Coffee Company. And it is an imperial pumpkin with coffee and spices and natural ingredients as 9% alcohol. It's not the first coffee pumpkin brew we had. It's one of the few, but it actually works. Is it like really a combination of a? You know, I remember on we, one of our earliest did, episodes. <laughs> yeah, that we had the the Coney Island one when we did uh, Sleepy Hollow. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking. I remember all that time ago thinking, like, wait, this coffee and pumpkin does kind of work together. I think what Isn't it that really a spice latte. I think it's really the spices that go as well with the coffee. Because yeah. I don't know what because pumpkin all, all tastes pop- like from tasting these is, beers. Is the pumpkin-flavored beers are never actually pumpkin. It's always this, like, nutmeg and cinnamon and shit. Yeah. You know, it works well, the coffee. That, that was the first one I had, too, and I was very skeptical. I was like, that seems crazy. Because at the time, I thought coffee can only go in a dark beer, not some... <laughs> and now we've had, what, 2,000 beers since Jesus then? Jesus Christ, something <laughs> like that. Just on the podcast. Yeah, that's have done I mean. a lot of external research, too. <laughs> research and development. Oh, yeah. So then uh, Romero kills uh, the bulls, and he's so good. And this beer is also very good. I actually like it better than the regular pumpkin one. Then you get fourth t- Heineken is pretty much like the first one. 
disgusted. <laughs> you got to balance it out with more soju. You know, you could just throw it out. You don't have to drink those beers. Waste not, want not. And so I didn't want or waste this. It's, it just ceased to exist. They, they I get annihilated. I, I, haven't opened, I haven't opened this ruby grapefruit White Claw. And I got to say, <laughs> I fucking hate grapefruit. <laughs> <laughs> hate it. That's fucking disgusting. <laughs> Ugh. I'm not a I'm not a person who says like you know seltzer is unmanly or uh, it's dumb. Just drink beer because you know seltzer is stupid. Uh, it is stupid though. It's stupid and it doesn't. It's not good. And it's like it's like a poorly flavored soda. And I don't know why people like. I it disagree. Now. I like seltzer a lot, actually. I like regular seltzer. Alcoholic seltzers are like hit or miss. I don't like regular seltzer either. Bubble water is. It, it, you don't need that. Bubble water is what but you make like in the bathtub. Shittily flavored ones are terrible. Michael, do you remember Fruit Two O? I do. That's fucking vile. But that Nate, wasn't carbonated, you ever, did you ever right? Fruit Two O. I, don't think, was... I don't think I ever had it. Nate was there when they invented H Two O. So he's fucking <laughs> <laughs> at the at the beginning of the universe. <laughs> Wow, fruit20.com is is still a thing. Life is more fun with flavor, but not these flavors. They had that in the vending machines in our high school. It's it's flavored water, but every flavor tasted like asbestos. (laughs) (laughs) Those asbestos fruits. It's like the equivalent of... um, They're fireproof. It's like prison wine, but in seltzer form. (laughs) If you made made prison wine in someone's butthole. (laughs) And then you... You thinned, you watered it down, <laughs> yeah, and filtered out most of the corn. So uh, fruit two was disgusting, but I I, I think uh, seltzer is pretty nice. Hard seltzer, and especially uh, the ones that are not too sweet. Like sometimes, like the the brewery craft brewery types hard seltzers are like syrupy. You know, they're like they're like eight percent alcohol and they're very sugary. Like you can't drink that on a hot day. That's a fucking hangover instantly. But like a white saying, claw, you know, it, it, as bad as it is. It will keep you somewhat hydrated when it's hot as fuck out. <laughs> yes, it will keep you hydrated, which is why I'm interspersing it with all of these tiny Heineken. It's the Pedialyte of booze. <laughs> you just <laughs> <laughs> so then we get to book three. And you're like, oh my god, how long is it? But it's like one chapter, and it's the it's the ep- it really should have been like epilogue or something like that because it's the end of the book. Well, we skipped the whole thing where they're at the last day of the festival, or one of the last days, and. Some rando drunk gets down into the oh, someone gets killed, yeah, and he gets fucking stabbed through the back by a bull, and he dies. And they're like, "Whoa, what a fucking thing!" And and they're talking to the waiter about it. Like, this whole thing is bullshit. No pun intended. Like, no, why are we doing this? This is ridiculous. Stand by it. They're just fucking animals. That's this is all stupid. And everyone's like, "Shut the fuck up!" And then that's the last. That's the only reasonable man in the entire book. So uh, is that guy. When I was looking up the running of the bulls, because I don't know shit about it, um, there have been apparently... Well, a, people die, yeah. Like, only absolutely. a few in the last century. Though bullfighting, I'm sure more people have died. But they're, you know, the, the running of the bullshit. And a guy died in like 1922 who was... I forget what his name was in the book. Did the, did, did the guy in the book die in the running of the bulls or did he jump into the pit during the bullfight? Uh, in the... I forget. I thought, he, I thought he like got into the arena. When a bunch I of drunks thought they did the, the running of the bulls into the arena. 
and he was just happened to be at the end at the oh, arena. Oh, maybe. That's what I was getting from it. That could, that makes sense. I guess they got to end somewhere. And then they killed him. <laughs> and then he died, yeah. There that are cool gored. videos of the bulls, like, actually jumping the fence and landing in the stands and just going to town on people. It's like, well, what did you guys expect? It's a fucking tractor that can jump with knives on its face. So for <laughs> for Spanish style bullfighting, there is a weight requirement for the bull. The bull has to be at least four hundred and sixty kilograms, which is just over a thousand pounds. So it's like a fucking train coming at you, like of muscle, of just yeah, of angry, bleeding to death muscle. <laughs> well, not 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 for the running part. And there's also like other shit where people like basically try to like do flips over the over the bull. They try to like cartwheel out of yeah, its way. Yeah, like st- you, you like hop between its horns over its back and stab it in the way in the on the way. It's like, I guess that's impressive, but also, what the fuck is going on? Why are you doing this? It, it's like a uh, something out of like a Hong Kong action movie. <laughs> character. It's like Jackass, but if they were good at it. Oh man, I'm sure there must be a Jackass where they get hit by bulls. They haven't thought. Oh, well, absolutely, there's one. I've seen it. <laughs> And Steve-O gets The his... Bulls win. Oh. The Bulls win almost every time. <laughs> I'm not sure the Bulls they did had like pointed horns because they knew that that was a death sentence. But they're still just... Just the force of it is enough to cause like internal bleeding, I'm sure, if they hit you the right way. Yeah. Just I think, they, I think that they were, what they're doing is they were being like the rodeo clowns or something. And they were like... There is a... Get whacked. There is like a rodeo clown kind of guy... Who is there just to kind of tire out and distract the bull? Going to mm. Benderillero or whatever. I don't know how to pronounce the word. But I was reading all about this. I was like, this is a fascinating way to kill things. Because <laughs> <laughs> they have a whole, really there's like a team. There's like a, there's like a whole posse that goes in to kill the bull. The matador just gets all the, claim, all the you know, glory. Because Looney Tunes cartoons copied it. And like there's like Bugs Bunny doing Toro. And everyone just knows Toro since we were a kid. And there's only much later you realize he's just saying bull. It's like a Pokemon. Like you're just saying the name. And of also the that the, 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 the cape being red doesn't matter because bulls are colorblind. Yeah, it's just the movement that's irritating it because, you know, it's had a bad day. <laughs> it's bleeding to death. Everyone's screaming at it. And it sees this thing. It's like, I better, I better smash my face into that to try and kill it. <laughs> this is who caused this. I blame you. Because <laughs> his dad is gone. Who he really blames. Bulls are the kings of anger displacement, yeah. I was disappointed the other day. Uh, founders put a post of their their different bastard books, uh, beers rather. So like Breakfast Bastard, Kentucky Breakfast Bastard, KBS, and then like CBS, the Canadian. And then it was like, which one is your favorite bastard below? And I wrote, my dad. No, wait, he was never in the picture. And they never <laughs> <laughs> and they did not reply. I was really disappointed. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, there's also another thing with Brett where you learn that, you know, just see how much of a man eater she is. She fucks the boy, the, the bullfighting boy, Romero, and then he kills, I think he kills the bull that killed the guy, right? Isn't he the, like, yeah, he does. And then he cuts off its ear, which is some sort of other part of the tradition, and he gives it to somebody, and he, she takes it. She gets the ear. And this is like a big deal. And then at the end of that chapter, it's like, and that she left that ear along with some like receipts and a pack of cigarettes stuffed in the drawer in her hotel room. Like she didn't give, give a fuck about it. It was total garbage to her. She just wanted that dick, and then she moved on. So 
But there was also that part where they talk about how after her husband got back from the war, his PTSD, you know, back then it was called being a weak man. Shell shock. Was so bad that he would like sleep with a gun under his pillow and threaten to kill her all the time. She would like unload his gun while he slept. So naturally, she became. She decided to fuck anything that moved. That was the next response to that. In, in Ernest Hemingway's uh, mind, yes. Yeah. Again, I guess. I guess you could make the argument for the subtext thing, right? Like all the characters are really damaged by the war and by their Literally, experience. His dick doesn't is gone or doesn't work. But she's like fucked up too. But they all deal well, with. She was, she was of, a the, nurse. of the dudes. Yeah, she was a nurse. Yeah, but her husband's but, uh, fucked up, and like her, all the other dudes weren't in the war. He was the only one who was actually there. No, I think others were in the war. There's I some think that Bill were was in the war. Bill? I think Bill and Mike were in the war. Robert was. I thought, not. They, jo- I thought they joked about being in the war, but they're like, "Oh yeah, I was in the war. I, you know, d- uh, dodging STDs was my war." Oh, I think that's. Like that. I think you're thinking of a certain president of the United States. Who yeah. said <laughs> but I think they were saying like saying like stuff equivalent to that. Like you, you were never there. I guess, I guess it's hard to fucking tell because it's all subtext. Yeah. yeah, I don't really want to find out what it means. I wonder what happened to the... <laughs> you know, they, so after, after the fiesta ends and everybody kind of leaves and uh, Jake, also known as Ernest Hemingway, goes to just... <laughs> he's like, I'm going to spend a week just hanging out in this other town. I forget the name of it. Sounded nice. But then he gets a telegram from Brett and says, Q, come, come to Madrid. Come to my hotel in Madrid. Need help. And then Jake does. St- just stop. Immediately. Come here when you can. Need help. Yeah. Stop. <laughs> and he, stop. And he, goes imme- time. He, he goes immediately to Madrid. And Brett is like, oh, thank God you're here. I had to tell Romero to go away because he wanted to marry me and make me grow my hair out. He wanted to marry me so that I would like stay with him, and I'm like, Make I'm, I'm not doing that. Her. She's like, you're just, you're just my boy toy. I'm not, I'm not sticking around with you. This was just for fun. So she made him go away, I mean, even though he wanted to marry her. It and then Jake and Brett get in a car and gets to the last line, which is a famous last line. It's Chinatown, Jake. <laughs> it's an I am your father. <laughs> I think we're going to need a bigger boat. Okay. Uh, I sure picked a hell of a day to quit sniffing glue. <laughs> <laughs> Electric Boogaloo. This new iBooks app, it sucks. It's like they fucked everything up. Sorry. Gotta get the- and then she says, oh, Jake, we could have had such a damned good time together. And he says, yes. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. No, oh, sorry. Wrong says. book. <laughs> uh, wrong classic. He <laughs> says, yes. I said, isn't it pretty to think so? The end. Womp, womp, womp. And you go, you know what also would have been pretty sweet? Not reading this book. Or drinking yeah. all these Heinekens. <laughs> <laughs> How many did you go through so that far? That two. I've done three and a half. I'm going to finish this fourth one, and I'm going to finish the White Claw. I'm going to finish the Soju. I don't really want the last two Heinekens. I don't need to. The And you plus the six more in the fridge? I think there's eight more in the fridge. Eight They're tiny. In the fridge. There's so many of them. They're like locusts. <laughs> so, yeah, reading the book. So, reading it sucked. 
And then, but looking up about like, well, what the hell was this book about? It's like, oh, okay, I guess there was a lot there. This is where we should talk a little bit more about the iceberg theory, about how Ernest Hemingway believed in writing a book that seems really simple, much like his sentences, like it seems really simple, but it's actually deep. It's actually very deep, and there's a lot going on under the surface, and about how even though it seems like just a kind of like a dumb road trip story. It is. It, 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 but apparently, you know, under the hood, it's really like all the story about these people who are damaged by the war and because they can't find fulfillment because of their, you know, trauma. So they what they or do the is they dick. just drink heavily. Uh, Brett just fucks everyone because she likes male attention. They, everyone but Jake fucks everyone. Oh, yeah, he would if he could. In the beginning, he picks up a hooker like, just to hang out. He picks out. up a hooker, and then they don't do anything, and he leaves her with a bunch of guys <laughs> because he can't do anything. You're welcome, honey. <laughs> <laughs> and so there is, like, stuff about that. This is the kind of book where I feel like I should have read it twice in order to understand it a little bit better, but it just sucked so much This is the to kind actually of book where, read. like, you you kind of get it, and then you read about it. You're like, you get it more, and it's like I understand why it's important historically, and like, oh, it captures this time and place in history, and yeah, it does. But that doesn't mean that I have to like it. Totally, it may it captures you know. All right, that's what it was like. I know that now, and I see how this was influential on writers, but it was not an enjoyable experience. This is pure, like, an academic chore to read this book. And even what you're saying, Nate, yeah. right? To have to go back and, like, think and research it. Like, there, granted, there are many times we've talked about that where books are like, it seems worth it to us for one reason or another. This one was not, to me at least, worth it to go do that much work, to go read it, read about it, go no. back and read passages or the whole, you even talked about reading the whole thing twice. And just like, in, no. oh, and then go back and read it again to find the things I should have noticed the first time after reading about it and pointing and having it pointed out to me. It's like, well, then I just feel dumb. Yeah. Maybe, like, that's, oh, I, get maybe I just they're, am. Maybe that's why. Everything sucks and they're bored and they have nothing to do. I get it. I don't know what I gain from understanding that more the second time. And apparently this was my second time. I do not remember at all reading the first time. Maybe I never did. I really don't know. But I, I I don't know what there is really to gain from a repeat reading. Uh, well, the sun rising again. Well, see, what, what, what does the title mean? Is something is like a Bible reference or something? Like, the sun sets, but it also rises? Like Because they're all fucked up. Like, oh, but, yeah, you know. Like, oh, you know, bef- eventually it'll get it's better. It's darkest like, before yeah, the dawn got, kind of idea. You got the fucking Great Depression and World War II to look forward to, kids. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> does it rise again? I don't know. And, you guys uh, Robert it. Cohn better make sure he leaves Europe by a certain date. <laughs> because Spain and France will both be completely devastated over the next 15 years. Spain, within the next 10, the Civil War starts. Yeah, yeah. Not that, not that. Spain will be a hellscape for a while. Some people would go t- sit down, for, lay down for a nap, and wake up with an entirely new, uh, new government <laughs> in 1971. <laughs> well, they had him until 75, he was the dictator, right? Or 76? Somewhere around there? Something like that, yeah. What the fuck was his name? Franco. 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 Franco, thank you. James Franco. James Franco. He Dictator of Spain. Fucking awful. Nightmare times. 
Yeah, I mean, I could see why this would be, this is a book to study, perhaps. But if in terms of the question is who should read it, I don't think any casual reader should. I think if you really like Joe Rogan and you think that you're smart and you're a reader, you might like this book, but probably you wouldn't like it for the right reasons. I'm not sure what that means exactly. <laughs> I don't know. I was like, yeah, look at these men fighting bulls. Yeah, that's manly. Oh, yeah. Look at men being men. It was like, that's exactly the opposite of the point. Oh, well, if you're stupid, yeah. I, mean, I, I yeah. don't know if that's purely... Well, I said if you listen to Joe Rogan. I, I have listened to Joe Rogan more than once. I, I, I think, uh, you know, you listen more to the person Joe Rogan is talking to than to Joe Rogan, but... Because Joe Rogan famously does not prepare for his interviews. Yeah, he doesn't know anything. He, like, intentionally doesn't prepare. And you know what? For the, amount of, money, <laughs> for the amount of money he gets paid to just sit there and just ask dumb questions that he didn't prepare for, it's nice work if you can get uh, it. $100 million, yeah. That's yeah, pretty sweet. Well, hey, Spotify, we're ready to sign a deal anytime you want. Just uh, <laughs> it'll do for hundreds of dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe even a hundred dollars. The whole catalog. Throw in a six pack and we'll sign on the dotted line. Just not Heineken. <laughs> Has to be at least a case of Heineken. And tall boys, not these halfsies. Are these little tiny, tiny little Heinekens? Uh, I thought I was told to call them tiny Heinies, and I don't want to do that. T- Heinekens, obviously. <laughs> Heinekinos. Oh, God, I've had enough Heineken for a year now. And I've had enough Hemingway. It's only only four days into the year. (laughs) Anything else we need to say about uh, this book? Uh, Of the books that we could have gotten from Hemingway, was this the worst one? So I read A Farewell to Arms many years ago, and it's also short, but it has, like, more of a plot. You know, it's like... Which is the one where the lady has a miscarriage at the end? World War I book? It's Farewell to Arms, I think. Yeah, that one. So that's like, oh, shit, something happened. Um... In the last paragraph, <laughs> but there's also like some passages that like they're like fucking getting I mean, shot it, it, at. Is that the one like where that. he's like he recounts like driving the medical? Yeah, because that's what he did in World Wars, War One. Yeah. yeah, I've not read For Whom the Bell Tolls, which is about the Spanish Civil War, isn't it? I don't know. I thought it was. I believe so. Uh, I, I think I have read it, but I, I think I've read like two of his three books. I may have read all three, but I beyond the miscarriage thing at the end, I don't remember any of his fucking books at all because it. They're so fucking dry. That's how he liked the ladies. Yeah, he did. Yeah, it's about when he was... It was uh, manly if they were a, dry or something. A volunteer in the Spanish Civil War. Oh, this was also driving an ambulance in the Spanish Civil War. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I, yeah we did The Old Man in the Sea, which I still like because it's really short. And uh, I don't know if I get that either, but at least it's short and it's a simple story. We did that Mount oh, Kilimanjaro shit. He wrote a lot of short stories, I'm sure, if you're into short stories, that they're good or whatever, but I think... And then he exploded his own head. Yeah. Yeah, there were, there were just too many stories in there. They had to go. He exploded his own head is a really interesting way to describe what he did. He shot himself in the head with a rifle, didn't he? Yeah. Shotgun. Well, shotgun. It's like... Uh, Coco Bandit, before it was cool? He, well, <laughs> Ernest Hemingway was a man's man. That's why Lee Harvey Oswald... Uh, exploded Kennedy's head. <laughs> what if his head just did that? Yeah. <laughs> it's a really hard, really, they like, tried to hold in a sneeze and they hit a bump. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. He, he, had, he had tried to, uh, his ears were clogged, so he tried to pop them by holding those. <laughs> I uh, just got to get rid of these uh, phlegm here. And then, 
Uh, all right, so yeah, we're we're done with this book. This blows ass, right? We're, can we call it? We're, we're finished. Tell us what it's, you thought. Thank Send God. us an email to drunkguysbookclub at gmail.com. I forgot to hit record. Oh no! Uh, Smile us on Twitter, <laughs> <laughs> Drunk Guys BC. Oh, or you. find us on Facebook and Instagram at Drunk Guys Book Club. And if you want to support the podcast, head over to patreoncom club or leave us a review. You should do that anyway, just because it's good karma to give us a good review. Do it before a bull gores you, and uh, or Al gores you, and. <laughs> <laughs> Or just tell a friend to listen to it. And you can also go to Goodreads and you can talk about this book with us and you can tell us why we're wrong, but we're not, you're wrong. And check out the Hopped Up Network, a network of independent beer podcasters and or wine podcasters. And thanks for listening. <laughs>